Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top Podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, Tina Muir here, and I would like to welcome you to another edition of the Runners Connect Run to the Top Podcast. Now, I just want you to imagine how tired you feel at the end of the furthest race you have done, be it a 5K, marathon, or ultra. Think about how how much of an accomplishment that is. Now imagine doing a 100 mile race. How would that feel? How about a 100 mile race through the Himalayas? That makes me tired even thinking about it. But how about if not only if you had to run those 100 miles through the Himalayas, but you ran that 100 mile race carrying a colostomy bag. And only two years prior, you were in a high dependency unit wondering if you would ever eat again. That is what you're going to hear about today from our guest, one inspiring woman. This is a story you do not want to miss. Our guest today is Sarah Russell. Sarah was recently featured in The Telegraph, which is a prestigious newspaper in the UK. She is a consultant editor for Running Fitness magazine and also a writer for Runners Connect, and you may have seen some of her articles online. She is a running biomechanics and corrective exercise specialist, the coach and founder of Sarah Runners, which is a group for beginners and intermediates with over 350 members. She has represented Great Britain as an under-23 lightweight rower in 1993. She is part of Team GB at the European and World Duathlon Championships in 2006 and 2007. She was the former race director for the Tunbridge Wells Half Marathon She has run eight marathons, numerous half marathons, and two ultras, and she's actually already planning her next race. So, today's episode, we will cover how Sarah went from having five serious surgeries in three years to racing 100 miles across the Himalayas, the perspective change that occurred within Sarah's attitude towards challenges, how it felt to wake up at altitude with views of Mount Everest after five months in hospital wondering if she would ever be able to eat again, how the race taught Sarah the raw appreciation of what we are capable of and how that sense of achievement resulted in one of the best moments of her life, what the Himalayan 100 experience involved from sleeping in tin sheds wearing every item of clothing she had covered in blankets to trekking through the jungle and rainforest in sweltering temperatures and why Sarah believes it is all about creating memories with those you love and sharing experiences with other runners. So, that's enough from me. Let's meet this inspiring woman. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Sarah. Hi, well, thanks for having me. It's great to, uh, great to talk to you. Yeah, it's good, and it's nice having two Runners Connect uh, team members together here. So, people are always asking about having uh, some background on the uh, our team so now they can actually learn a little bit a very inspiring story about yours <laughs> oh, okay. so um to do with that could you tell us just a brief background about your story and uh I'm going to go into detail a little bit more about what we're going to talk about today but if you could explain in your own words what your inspiring story is um well about uh four years ago i was training for a, an ironman and i was i'm doing sort of gb age group duathlon triathlon events and training at quite a high level um and just sort of came down this really severe stomach pain got rushed into hospital um and they sort of said 
right, we're going to do surgery. And I'm sort of lying there on a morphine drip saying, but I'm doing an Ironman in eight weeks' time. I don't, I don't want surgery. And they said, well, no, actually, if we don't do surgery, you'll probably die. So um, I said, oh, right, in that case, then you better, you better do it. Basically, what happened is I'd, I'd had um, my colon had perforated um, from sort of out of the blue. I didn't have any sort of really previous symptoms. Um, and it was just really bizarre, sort of one in a million sort of thing to happen. Um, and basically, I ended up with sort of life-threatening peritonitis, um, which you know, was very, very serious. And I was very seriously ill. So the Iron Man soon went out of the window. And I was sort of thinking about sort of surviving rather than, uh, rather than actually sort of trying to train for this Iron Man. Um, anyway, basically then over a period of, of the next sort of two and a half years, I had another five serious abdominal surgeries. Um, there were various complications along the way. Um, and the result was that I ended up having the vast majority of my colon, my large intestine removed and having um, an ileostomy, which is sort of commonly known as a colostomy bag. Um, and so, so yeah, so now I am, um, I'm, I'm kind of getting back to fitness and getting back to, back to training, probably not to the level that I was before, but um, we'll talk about that a bit later because actually it's taken me in a slightly different direction. Um, and, I, and I now live with um, what's, what's called an ileostomy. Wow, that's 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 an incredible, um, not unexpected events. I would say there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's funny you mentioned about um, how you went into the hospital initially, and you know your first thought was, "But that means I can't run." I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's just typical. You're run, only runner would think that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, most people were, yeah. Uh huh. Most people would freak out. Oh, what what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Whereas to runners, it's well, wait, I I have a race plan. So yeah. just shows we're a different breed. <laughs> so would you say um, in that time you were in the hospital, um, do you think those traits you have as a runner, like determination and just being a fighter, really, did that give you kind of an extra strength to think, I'm just going to fight, fight this, I'm going to beat this, kind of in the same approach we approach, the same way we approach a, a race or an important uh, demon that we're facing during our training? Um, I think to a, I think to a certain extent, um, I think part of the problem I ended up with such a severe case without it being picked up was because you kind of get used, your body gets used to pain and discomfort quite a lot when you're racing and pushing. And I think I kind of ignored it um, and just put it down to you know other things. And I think that was almost part of the problem in the first place. But I think I don't like to think that I sort of fight it. I think. The best way that I would describe it is is kind of an understanding and a realistic um, acceptance of where you are as opposed to trying to sort of fight it and get strong. Because I think it, unless you accept your situation, it's really hard to kind of work through it. And I, I th- certainly think when I first got sick, my initial reaction was... Um, I want to get back to where I was. I want to get back to being a GB athlete. I want to get back to doing Ironman. And actually, it took me a little while to get over that and realize that that wasn't what I needed to do. What I needed to do was go in a slightly different direction. Um, when I first came around from, from surgery and I had a, you know, a colostomy bag and I had this bag stuck to my stomach and I sort of looked at it and I thought, okay, this is just another challenge. This is just like another marathon. This is another race. I just have to try and overcome it and use those same sorts of skills and those same sorts of thought processes to just sort of use it as another just another challenge to try and overcome. So instead of thinking, oh, my God, my life's over, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do all the things 
okay, well, there might be different challenges, but I'm going to, you know, just, just use it. And I almost saw it as sort of um, a challenge to, to try and overcome it, really. And, and that was quite helpful, I think. That's certainly something that's come from, from running and being an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, um, and, um, it's funny you mentioned about uh, how we can often ignore these little pains that we have. Um, and as a runner, you learn to get on with pains such as, you know, little niggles or things that you may other people may be hypersensitive to because mm. you're so used to it. So I think that's a good lesson there for us that even though you, yeah. you are a runner and you do get used to pain, you, you still need to listen to your body. And um, it's great that yeah. you were able to adjust with that. So let's move on to what you said, you said about how it allowed you to kind of readjust and take on a new perspective with your running. Um, and with that, you went on, uh, would you like to explain a little about the Himalayan 100 mile, which you went on to do uh, when you were healthy enough and the story behind the doctors, you know, being <laughs> shocked about it and just tell our listeners a little about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always loved kind of running the mountains and ultras and those sorts of events. And about 10 years ago, I heard about this Himalayan 100. And I thought, wow, that's something that I really, really want to do. You know, at some point in my life, that that's up there as the sort of the top of the list. And then I kind of got sick and, and spent sort of, you know, well, effectively three years in and out of hospital having surgery. And I kind of parked the thought for a while and thought, you know what, with, with an ileostomy, I have um, a lot of difficulty with hydration. And so events like the Marathon de Sable or events in the desert or events where I might get really dehydrated would potentially be really tricky for me. And the same went with the Himalayan 100. And I thought, am I ever really going to be able to do that? Um, you know, am I even crazy to think about it? Um, so through my work, because of, because of my writing work and, and the other work I do here in the UK, um, the race organizers contacted me and said, actually, we'd really love you to come and do the event. Would you like to write about it? And I thought, you know what? There's some, something's telling me to do this race. So I'm just going to sort of check it out. So I checked out with my doctors and they said, you know, there's no reason why you can't. Just stay well hydrated and, and give it a go. So I sort of gave myself about six months and thought, okay, we'll, we'll try, we'll train, we'll see what happens, and I'll, I'll just go. And I remember doing um, a 24-hour kind of um, non-stop race in the summer, and I had really bad turn, my potassium level dropped, and I felt really ill, and I was crying. I thought, I'm not going to be able to even contemplate doing the Himalayan 100. It was ridiculous, thought. And I actually emailed the race director and said, can I pull out? And he said, no, you'll be fine. I was like, oh, okay. So... Um, I got my confidence back um, and I went along um, last October and it was just the most spectacular experience ever. You know, every runner in the world, regardless of your ability, should try and do it. It's just incredible. You you wake up to views of Mount Everest and Kanchenjunga and you run with the most incredible people and the whole experience was just fabulous, really fabulous. And I think made even more special because of the journey that I've gone on to, to get there. I think had I done it without being sick yes it would have been special but it wouldn't have been as emotional as as epic as it was because the journey that I took together was even more challenging and that kind of made it even better somehow that sounds weird I know no I don't think that sounds weird at all it's kind of you know when you have a big injury or you have some some kind of big setback and you 
you come back from that and you have I always say that I'm glad my injuries happened I'm glad those down moments happened because they give you that extra like grit that extra determination that you're you're gonna do this and it makes you appreciate it so much more when you do have that opportunity so I think that makes perfect sense and uh so you often thought about um what you had been through and your your story your journey during the race is that what got you through those tough moments yeah, very much so. I remember thinking, if I can survive five major abdominal surgeries, I can run 100 miles in the Himalayas. And it was almost, you know, yeah. I think when you've been through, talk to anybody who's been through bowel surgery, and it, it really is grim. I've got a friend who's had a heart transplant, and he said, I'd rather have a heart transplant than have a than have what you've got. Um, the reality is probably not the case because actually what, having an ileostomy is fairly straightforward once you get used to it um, and there's nothing really you can't do um, but he's you know he's, he's in the UK and run 10 marathons with, with his heart, heart transplant so he's pretty cool pretty amazing but uh, yeah it was quite funny just people's concept of, of what it is really. So do you want to explain just a little more about the uh, technical side of things? So how does that work with, you said you have the bag that you strap to your stomach. So Yeah, that's right. Um, what, you, what basically happens is, is it's commonly known as a colostomy bag, but um, what I actually have is an ileostomy. And a lot of people end up with an ileostomy through having Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis or even cancer. Um, mine was, was obviously from, from this perforated colon, which was slightly more unusual. Um, so what basically happens is, is if the colon is diseased or, or damaged and it needs to be removed, um, it's very difficult to kind of exist without a colon. So they, they, um, they sort of bring the end of the small bowel out through a hole in your stomach wall known as a stoma. And then you have to stick a bag over the, um, the stoma and it, it just sort of you know, um, collects the output from the, from the small intestine um, and you have to wear the bag 24 hours a day. You can't take it off. Um, well, you can, but it's pretty messy. Um, and so this output just kind of works through your small intestine, comes out and, and in the bag. And, and it's, you know, not ideal. Nobody really wants a, a sort of bag of waste stuck to their stomach 24 hours a day. But you do get used to it and you do adapt. Um, and my view is as long as it doesn't stop me from running and doing all the things that I that I want to do, then I can kind of deal with it. I think something else there are worse conditions out there that could stop me from doing what I want to do and that would be much harder to deal with yeah and it's kind of you know you adapt to things that come along and that's another great trait of being a runner is the adaptability and that just shows that you've been able to do that and do you change the bag or do you is it you empty it or have yeah it? yeah you have quite high quite high um sort of output from the back, from, from the stone, because obviously it's just from the small intestine. So, um, so yeah, empty it sort of seven, eight, ten times a day, depending on you know, what I'm eating. Um, manage it with with a lot of um, a sort of medication to slow to slow it down, um, and a lot of electrolyte drinks. Okay. So take oral rehydration solutions a lot to make sure that I'm I'm staying hydrated. Okay. Yeah, we actually had a, a podcast a few weeks ago. It was actually all about electrolytes. So that's that's interesting. You brought that up. So when it came to the race, did you take a lot of those drinks, or how did you replace the salts? As it's difficult for your body to absorb salts, um, how did you get around that during the race? 
Um, I, uh, I mean, when I got there, the doctors kind of pulled me to one side and they said, okay, we've never had anyone do this race with, with this before. Um, they were quite worried and they wanted a real sort of background on what, you know, how I manage, how I manage things. They were very good medically. They weighed us before and after, um, really looked after us, but they, they'd got in extra IV fluids to make sure that, um, you know, j just in case I needed them. Um, and I really didn't know how it was going to go, but I'd been practicing with, with the drinks back in the UK, and I used a product um, called SOS Rehydrate, which I think is available in the States as well. And it's it's a very good sort of sports uh, drink, but but a sort of oral rehydration solution. So just drinking lots of that, basically, um, and making sure I didn't get dehydrated. Um, and, and it was actually fine. And ironically... I was the only person in the entire race not to lose weight from the start to the finish, and they couldn't understand why. And they just were, they said, you know, it was great because I'd actually really looked after myself, and and you know they didn't have to worry about me at all. So, uh, so yeah, I know it's it, it's just drinking the right drink um, and working that out. And uh, I think most runners actually would benefit from drinking a, a different drink or drinking the right drink, and whether whether you've got a stoma or not is irrelevant, really. Yeah, it probably actually made you more aware of it and, you know, made it more important for you to actually look after your body and take those steps. So probably in some ways is you're better off, like you said, than most of us. Cause... Well, potentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's good to know. And I will put a link to SOS uh, on the show notes. So uh, you can check that out at uh, runnersconnect.net forward slash RC49. I'll put a link to that there and then... We also actually talked a few weeks ago about um, Enduro Packs, which is a spray that you put into your drink, um, an electrolyte spray. So I think that would, again, be another alternative to use. Mm -hmm. um, so you said about how you thought about all you'd gone through with the um, past two years and um, you thought about that during the race. But do you think you still would have completed the race had you not been through this? Do you think you would have had that? determination to do it or do you think you still would have done it just a completely different experience I think I still would have done it because before I was sick I'd done some other ultras I'd done a um a non-stop 50 mile race in the in the Lake District in the UK um and I'd always kind of wanted to go more in that direction I think I'd probably been a bit would have been a bit quicker because sort of three years of in and out of hospital certainly put a dent in my um in my performance let's put it that way um but I think mentally it was a completely different experience. Um, there's a great quote, which is, I can't remember who, who it's by, but it's, um, you know, you, you can only appreciate the sort of, you know, the, the highest mountain when you've been in the deepest valley. And I think that's really true. And when you've been at rock bottom and you think you might never be able to eat again, because there was a point where I couldn't eat solid food for about five months um, and they weren't sure whether they were going to be able to sort of work out what was wrong. It, when you've been there... The, the ability to be able to go and run 100 miles at altitude in the Himalayas. And, okay, I wasn't particularly fast, but to be able to just get there and do it was, was just pretty epic. And, and yeah, we, I, I talked about it a lot with the other runners, and they were incredibly supportive. And it was, yeah, it, it, was, um, it really helped me during the race as well. And I sort of just drew on that strength, I think, and, um, and just slogged it out. Yeah, I think sometimes we kind of, we forget that life continues moving and you go through those moments where you are like in the lowest lows or things go wrong and you forget that you're going to move on, you're going to grow, you're going to adapt somehow no matter what it is and That's it's right. good that you had that opportunity to really appreciate it in such a spectacular way with 
doing a race like you said waking up to those views every morning and something so in- incredibly inspiring to do but it made you appreciate it that much more which is which is great yeah um, i think so um and then you mentioned in one of your other articles talking about the race that it was uh life changing how would you say would you want to explain a bit about what what made it so life changing <laughs> i mean that's a that's a sort of uh, quite a sort of a big statement but <laughs> I think it. I think it. I mean, I, I certainly haven't come home and, and changed my life, but it was certainly, without doubt, the most amazing experience of my life. Um, and I think it's just that appreciation, that raw appreciation for what we're capable of doing. And I came back from that thinking, you know, if I can do that, I can do anything. And it, it just boosted my confidence and boosted my self-esteem and gave me such a sense of achievement. Um, and I think it would do that for anybody, regardless of, of what you know, what journey you've taken to get there. Um, the people that were part of the race were just fantastic, and, and anyone who's done a kind of ultra or a stage race will, will have that experience because those sorts of people that do those events are just in it for for a different reason. They're not in it for a PB; they're in it for the experience, for the camaraderie, for the kind of you know the views, the whole thing, the whole experience, really. And I think. Yeah, I guess that that bit about it would be would be sort of life changing, really. I guess if that's if that's what you mean. Oh yeah, definitely. And there's people from all over the world uh, participating in this, correct? And there's you know a big running community that you're all from different places and points in your life. So I can imagine that's magnified when you mm. come together like that. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, there's people from all over the world, from the states, from El Salvador, from. Um, the guys that came from the Alps were, were pretty swift. They were great. They were, you know, they were used to it. There's a guy from Colorado. He did really, really well, unsurprisingly. So yeah, the, the mountain runners and the altitude guys from altitude did really, really well. But there's people from all over the world with all sorts of backstories and all sorts of reasons for being there. Some fast, some not fast. Um, and it, I think that's just what made, made it so special as well. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I love about the running community is, you know, it really doesn't matter how fast you go or where you've come from. At the end of the day, we're all out there together. Everyone, you know, has those moments where you struggle. Everyone has the moments where you think, what the heck am I doing? But you, you struggle through. So um, did you learn anything specific from any of the other cultures, the way they approach their running? Or was there not really much opportunity? Uh- I loved I loved the Indian people and I absolutely loved India and I've never been to India before so um, I'd certainly want to go back. Um, what was really interesting is is Indian women don't really run. It's not not a very big culture of running in India at all. So there was one Indian male runner and one female Indian runner, but she only did the marathon on day three. She didn't do the whole thing. Um, and just talking to them was really interesting, talking about the culture of running and how they're really kind of trying to grow it. But but this this one particular female uh, runner who took part in the marathon, she was a real, you know, she's a real trailblazer. You know, she's got a family. And, and for an Indian woman with a family to go and run and do something like that was, was really, really different. And uh, she was she was incredible. And, and just that, that culture, I just hope, you know, for the Indian Indian sort of culture they start to do more running and get more involved in races because you can see how that would really be you know really amazing for them oh yeah I actually um when I was I went to the London Olympics and one of the days I was there was the day the girl from Saudi Arabia ran in the 800 and uh, I remember we were watching it and 
she finished probably you know half a straightaway behind everyone else but everyone was clapping and it was just an incredible moment for me one I'll never forget because you knew just how much that meant to her and the country of how far they've come that you know she could run in this event and it was a, an amazing moment so it's yeah. great to see you know exactly things yeah. going in the right direction yeah um so if you could describe the experience in three words what would you use if you had to oh, pick? Man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I muttered at one point on day three, it was harder than childbirth, but that's more than three <laughs> um, Oh, I don't know, you know, epic, stunning, beautiful. We went through this on the on the final night, we all sat around having dinner. I'm not even sure there are words to describe it. I, I came back and people were sort of saying to me, what was it like, what was it like? And I just kept going, yeah, it was just I couldn't even find the words to describe it you've got to go and experience it and then and then you can come up with your own three words but yeah just amazing okay. amazing life-changing fabulous stunning all of that okay well, lots of very positive words there I, <laughs> I will put a, a link to that in the show notes so anyone that is looking for a challenge and you know you've had some great things here about how wonderful the experience was so you can go check it out and consider it yourself um, would you say that crossing the finish line at that moment was the proudest moment of your life or the best moment of your life or is there how did you feel when you crossed um yes it yes it probably is the only thing that I wished was different was that my husband had been there and ran it with me um when I was about nine months after my last operation so the year before last um we entered the Jungfrau Marathon, which is in Switzerland, and it goes up, um, sort of, it finishes just below the north face of the Eiger in the Swiss um, Alps, and it's utterly stunning. Similar kind of um, backstory, and you know, nine months out of surgery, I'm thinking, what am I even doing? You know, am I ever going to be able to do this? This is ridiculous. Um, but life's too short, let's just go and do it, let's see what happens. And I did it with my husband, we did it together, and it it, we both agreed it was probably better than our wedding day um, because given what I'd gone through, given that he'd been there by my side the whole way through and we crossed that finish line and it was it was just spectacular. Yeah. Um, so the Himalayan the, um, 100 was probably my proudest moment. I just wish he'd been there as well. Was there a reason why was it just too much time off work? Or? Yeah, it was just time off work and logistics and, and you know, they had the children at home and that sort of thing. And it was it was just a step too far because I was away for about 10 days in the end. So it was just too much, yeah, which is no, a shame. That's understandable. But I, I bet the, the moment you found each other again when you returned was an incredible moment for you two in your relationship. So I'm sure that's Yeah, and my kids as well were... were they've been there as well and seen what I've gone through and they're they're so proud it's really sweet mm -hmm. yeah oh, I bet they were watching their phones and was there a tracker or anything they could follow Not you really. Oh, really? no just as well because I was quite slow <laughs> <laughs> but um no there wasn't and I mean I did manage to get a couple of texts through but when we were up in the mountains there was there was no communication so um but uh they sent me some po they gave me some postcards to take away um, before I went saying you know we're so proud of you with loads of little quotes on them it was really sweet they're Aww. sort of 13 and 15 year old boys so to be 
proud of their mum is, is quite is quite unusual. Yeah, you don't hear that very often. Usually, want to stay away and kind of <laughs> do their own thing. So that, yeah. that shows how special they are as well. Um, and then talking about those final few miles of the race, um, you said that they were the best you'd ever run and enjoyed. Um, what is it about those final few mi- for miles for a race that long, or you know, if you're in a marathon, the last you know point two of the race, or what is it you think that gives us that burst of energy and makes it all worthwhile, all that struggle? It, what is it that makes us enjoy that so much? I don't know. I think I think it's the realization that you're going to actually finish, <laughs> um, and just that sudden like, oh my god, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to do this. And that's all I kept thinking on that final day. Because I think even on the night, the night of day three, when we'd done the marathon, it took 10 hours. And we'd started at minus, you know, minus two up at altitude. We'd gone through jungle. We'd gone through rainforest. You know, the temperature had risen to sort of nearly 30 degrees during the day. It was crazy, crazy, crazy day. Went to bed that night thinking, I don't actually think I'm going to be able to wake up. (laughs) <laughs> or or move or I don't think my legs are going to work um, and the same thing on, on sort of day four went to bed sort of hobbling shuffling thinking oh my goodness day five I woke up got on the start line started running and just felt amazing and my legs worked and I have no idea why and I wasn't the only one a couple of others felt like that too but it, it was definitely that sort of do you know what? I'm going to do this I'm going to finish oh my god <laughs> and it was yeah. just a surge of happiness and yeah it was cool very cool adrenaline rush i think and i just wanted to clarify when you said 30 degrees to um everyone else oh i guess to the rest of america that that's 90 we're not talking about the cold here yeah yeah (laughs) Um, so um and did it get cold at night there or was it just kind of humid at night difficult to sleep or yeah i mean like anyone who's ever been to altitude i mean we were only at three and a half thousand meters so it wasn't exceptionally high, but it was high enough to make you feel, you know, a bit sick and um, your heart was racing. And at night, the temperature really dropped. So it goes down to sort of minus two. And you're in, um, you know, tin sheds with with mice scrambling around on the floor and there's no loos and there's no showers and there's generators powering the electricity, no heating, very, very cold. So you're sort of sleeping in all your clothes, including your sort of down jacket and a hat and gloves. And, you know, in a sleeping bag with three blankets on top um, and a, a water bottle, like a, a metal sink water bottle filled with hot water. Oh, wow. And it was still freezing. Um, so, yeah, sleeping, there wasn't much sleeping going on and your heart rate's pounding. And, and uh, But as soon as we got down from altitude, it, you know, it, it was fine. It was much, much better. But there was about two and a half days of, of that up there. So. Wow. Okay. Well, good to know. And there's some more details about the race and uh, just... All those little things, I think, make it just even more uh, incredible of an experience that you accomplished it with, you know, those, I think that's what I would struggle with the most was the, the sleeping and, you know, I think I'd break down emotionally, but <laughs> just shows you're, you're pretty strong at that. And would you say that's changed your perspective on, you know, do you have something even more difficult that you want to achieve now? What, what is next for you in the, in the grand scheme of things? Um... It's difficult because even though I've achieved that, I'm still, you know, I can still get sick quite easily, and and it's still kind of, you know, it, it's not all plain sailing. I have to, I still have to be quite careful. Um, 
I recovered really well off the race. I came back and, and I was expecting to be, you know, off running for months and I got straight back into it, felt fine. Um, I've kind of got, there's a, there's a race called the Trans Alp Ultra, which is um, in Europe and it crosses, crosses the Alps. It's about 100 and it varies each year. It's about 160 miles over eight days. It's not at altitude, so I quite like the sound of that. And that's kind of on my, um, on my list of things to do. Um, and it's just, you know, I'd like to do another big event, do it with my husband, maybe something in Peru or something like that. Anywhere where there's mountains, basically. Okay, so it has changed your outlook on, you know, what are tough races and you know, you're, you've gone from 100 miles being a long way, that being on your dream bucket list, and now you're looking at 160 and... Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, you got to keep challenging yourself. Yeah, no, I think it's, that's a huge part of life. It's interesting, actually, because I kind of, you know, I, I'd never, I never got to do the Ironman that I've been training for, but I kind of, I'm kind of not bothered anymore. It's, it's like I want to go and do things that have got amazing views and that are really spectacular. And it's not about so much about the finish line anymore. It's about the experience, mm-hmm. um, and that that now is is kind of you know sharing that experience with with my husband with with other runners. And just kind of proving to myself what I'm able to do, I think, is what's really important now. It's, and it has shifted my focus, for sure. Yeah, well, it seems like you, you finally achieved what we, we all hope to achieve, where you actually enjoy the journey rather than looking at the outcome. And that's what they say, you know, you've really you've made it when you, you actually learn to take in the moments r- along the way, the ups and the downs, rather than just thinking about, what the end result is so that that really shows how you've grown and yeah I think so I think so it, you know obviously no one really wants to go through go through five abdominal surgeries and living with a, a colostomy bag but if if you know it's changed anything for the better that's definitely what it's done it's given me a different perspective um, and not in a kind of cheesy you know life so much better now way but definitely in a appreciation of things um, yeah. and just being able to run you know when I thought I might never eat again and walking was difficult to be able to run and just be able to move. You appreciate every single step um, and look up and look at every fantastic view and the person running next to you and just appreciate it all because it's it could be taken away at any minute from any of us. Um, that sounds dramatic, but it's true. No, it is, and it's a great lesson for us all to learn. And it is, it's nice to see that, you know, uh, we've had a lot of requests for you know, I'm, uh, normal people like me, and we've had people requesting that to hear inspirational stories from, you know, not an elite runner who can run a, you know, 350 mile, but someone who is a real person and hearing a real story. And, you know, you had no idea when you went into the hospital that day of what was going to happen and look what's come out of it. So <laughs> it's great to see that, you know, you're, you are a regular person, you're a human being, and you've adapted and learned to survive. So it's a, a great story to hear about and um if people want to learn more about you and your story they can actually read your you wrote about it on your blog is that correct that's right yeah I started a blog not long after the first surgery with not with really any view on where I was going to go with it but it ended up just being a record of, of a couple of the surgeries and it ended up being a record of of just my emotions and my thoughts and actually it goes all the way back to 2010 um, so for anybody dealing with any kind of long-term illness or surgery or, or trying to make a comeback, um, 
or just trying to get back into sport or, or go through anything that's sort of similar, it, it might be useful to sort of read it. And that was really my inspiration behind doing it was to try and help other people um, just with what I was going through. Um, and it's called Bag That Runs um, and it's on uh, on Blogspot. So, so yeah, you know, and I've had quite a lot of sort of feedback that people have found it really helpful and, and not just people with stomas but normal people that don't even have medical conditions. So. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So I will put a link to that on the show notes. Um, as Sarah mentioned, it is uh, bagthatruns.blogspot.in, but I will put a link to that at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc49 so you can find that. And you can also follow Sarah on Twitter at r at sorry at runfitsarah. So is that correct? That's right. Yeah, okay. I tend not. To, I tend not to tweet about med- my, you know, my health, okay. my medical stuff. It tends to be more about um, actual running and coaching yeah. and, and my work side. Because obviously, as a as a running coach and a writer, that's it's sort of part of part of my job. But um, but sure, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about having Sarah as a coach, that'd be a pretty <laughs> inspirational person to have there. You can learn about that as well. So Sarah, I have been asking my guests. Um, for one word to describe what you would like to achieve, be, do in 2015. Do you have a word for me and why? <laughs> wow, okay, you could have warned me. <laughs> um, from the heart. <laughs> right, one word from the heart. But what I want to achieve in 2015, um, aside from getting my son through his GCSE examination successfully, mm-hmm. um, from a personal perspective, <sighs> um, I'd like it to be memorable. Okay, that's a great word. Great word. Memorable. Is there a reason for that? That word? Uh, yeah, I think life now is is all about. For me, it's all about creating memories, and I want to create as many amazing memories in my life with my kids, with my husband, doing races, doing events, just being out running. Um, because that's what it's all about you know you it's not about for me now it's not about sort of speed performance winning being fast it's about just memories and having amazing experiences yeah that's wonderful and that's at the end of the day like you said what life is all about is those relationships and those moments in life that we can reflect on so that's great that's wonderful well Sarah thank you so much for joining us um this week on the run to the top podcast and uh you are one of our coaches as I mentioned so uh you will be able to read articles from Sarah on on our runnersconnect.net website uh those will keep on coming and if you want to check out Sarah as a coach just go to um runnersconnect.net forward slash rc49 and you can find out more about it so thank you for joining us Sarah thanks so much thanks for having me And there you have it. What an inspiring interview. If that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. Sarah's whole attitude towards life just makes me feel really special. It just makes you think about how, you know, things may go wrong, things may occur, come go through ups and downs in your life. But at the end of the day, we keep moving, we keep growing, and you never know what's going to happen. So I found that really interesting and I hope you did too. If you did enjoy the interview today, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. You can do that by going to runnersconnect.net forward slash review. However, 
I know this process can be kind of confusing, so if it is, you can go to runnersconnect.net forward slash RC49 to find all the information about today's show, all the links we talked about and Sarah's blog. And on there, I have a link to a video demonstration of exactly how to leave a review, just to make it a little easier for you. So that's all I have for today, but I hope you enjoyed it, and I thank you in advance, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great week.